The content in this podcast is meant for mature audiences only, 18 and up, as some of it may be difficult to hear. Continuing to listen to this content releases Rust and Virginia Dixon from all liability. everyone to the rest podcast where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion chaos and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life i am your host natalie williams and i am here with the author of the reconstitution method for healing and rest virginia dixon hi Hi. virginia hi natalie (laughs) thank you of course. I'm excited for today. As am I. Mm-hmm. Today, continuing the conversation we concluded with Dr. Sherry Keffer, Jordan Engel, a newly engaged ambassador of rest and friend of Virginia's, joins us to discuss the consequences we see in today's generation. Hi, Jordan. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> of course. We're so happy you're here. Me too. I'm very excited. Okay. So I met you in my office at the clinic mm-hmm. three years ago. Something like that. It's incredible. And I think one of the things that was most captivating to me about you, number one, is your beauty inside and out. Number two is you were stuck. You were frozen. Mm -hmm. And number three is stages of disease were starting to set in in Mm -hmm. very uncomfortable ways and very specific ways. And I remember feeling so excited, thinking, oh, this is great. I know exactly what to do. Mm. And it was fun because you trusted me. But the thing that has become so endearing to me about you is all the people you brought with you, all the money out of your own pocket that you spent and invested in your own healing, Mm -hmm. and all the sacrifices I watched you make for freedom. And healing. And I think not only are you the product of rest, a radiant product of rest, and I call you guys ambassadors because it changes you from the inside out and you can't help but change others. That light expands, but you're the voice of a generation. So I want to talk about difficult things. Last week, like Natalie said, Dr. Sherry Keffer, we had a tough conversation, I think, about a subject that is a large contributor to the hemorrhaging heart of our nation. And you're the product of that generation, right? Mm -hmm. Things compound. when Unresolved conflicts compound when they're not dealt with. And in the generations that came before us, I'm not sure we even understood what was happening because we were in the middle of it, right? Mm -hmm. But something that's going to be compelling about the conversation we're going to have today is you are the voice of the generation that's the consequence of us neglecting to really understand the emerging confusion, chaos, and dis-ease that's been with us really frankly since the 60s. Yeah, Actually, since the beginning of time, we want to get really deep, but everybody will be bored and never (laughs) tune in again. I don't want them to um, shut out this very important conversation. So we want to don't want to get into the academics of it right now and the history, but I want to be very practical about your story. So you said something really interesting that 
what happened in the last few days? You encountered something. Yeah. Just leading up to this podcast, just being really mindful of like my input. And I just actually stumbled on a podcast by someone I grew up with who I believe has since walked away from faith. I grew up in a faith household and environment. And it was very interesting just hearing the contrast and no judgment at all, but just the difference of the like what's culturally appropriate to talk about and believe and just how to live, like the definitions of freedom. And, you know, I believe those culturalized for a long time, just about sexual freedom. And the podcast specifically, the reason I was talking about that is because that's what kind of was on my mind and that's what we have been sharing. And that context was interesting because of the topics we were going to talk about today was polar opposite and the freedom I experienced from kind of walking away from those cultural views. And so the podcast itself was talking more about how, people within the faith, you know, had trauma from different views that were imposed upon them. And, and I do relate to about some, sex, and about sex, about purity, all of you the can taboo be specific topics. and blunt. Yeah. I mean, all of those topics are kind of taboo and there's a lot of shame around that. And I'm familiar with the unhealthy aspects of that for sure. But kind of coming back around and understanding those topics in a healthy way and like the way God intended. That's just my story. What I were found. they specifically saying? What's the specific narrative? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like the topic for the sake of clarity. Yeah, yeah, just finding freedom and walking away from not having sex before marriage and like masturbation and like you know shame around that and being really open about that and just topics that like a lot of in the in the church are just don't do it. It's a sin and you're going to go to hell or you know all these things and versus talking about it in the context of how it actually preserves and it's sacred for you know a relationship and or the consequence of unleashed passions if yes and Mm -hmm. that's i think where um and i i didn't actually listen to the full context that's why i'm just sharing like the topic of it which was very interesting and i I do intend to go listen i think it's fascinating but it's just opposite of what i came to talk to you about because you know you saw my journey of being intimate with different people that i was in relationships with and granted it was still different than being with a ton of people like some people's stories and i still thought you know i'm I'm being honorable because it's within relationships and, but just suffering from the disconnect from my body, from having made those attachments and continuing them in an unhealthy way and seeing how that impacted me emotionally, spiritually, and then eventually like physically. Yeah. So the things they were endorsing as Mm -hmm. in the name of freedom, yes, sexual endeavors, Mm -hmm. sexual escapades, whatever, sexual freedom Mm -hmm. and masturbation and all these topics that are difficult and even consuming pornography. Yes. And in some cases, being participants in creating it. Mm-hmm. I've had girls your age that basically do their own porn things and mm-hmm. sell it and have paid accounts mm-hmm. that found themselves in a similar place that you did when you came to see me. Not that you were doing those things, Jordan, <laughs> but they found them. But I'm just saying the voice is the same, right? Yeah. Right. They found themselves in that lifestyle and... What I think I hear you saying is, well, I know for a fact it was a case with you as with about 75 other people that I saw that year, that that lifestyle was really fundamentally killing your body slowly and making you sick. Mm-hmm. So what was captivating about that podcast, perhaps, was the contrast between what they were advancing and advocating and your experiences in that lifestyle. Exactly. And you ultimately found the exact opposite. So you were looking for rest and healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But even just having resistance to the idea and the concept, because it felt, you know, I keep using this word, but antiquated, that's all it felt. It's just very outdated that it's no longer relevant. I think is probably a better way to put it. What's not relevant. 
sexual purity and like oh, the way okay. of thinking of like even waiting for someone before marriage or even just as scaled back as other things leading up to the actual act of sex itself, like the different bases, if you will. Um, so that makes more sense to your generation mm-hmm. than the concepts that you came to understand later on through rest. Mm-hmm. I found with you, as with Natalie and several other people that I worked very closely with, that, as you know, I had an onslaught of, I want to say kids because I'm so much older, but <laughs> of adults your age mm-hmm. from the age of 22, 23 to 34 with exact same story mm-hmm. as Jordan, right? Mm-hmm. And it jolted me because they were spending their partying money or vacationing money or girls night money or boys night money, whatever guys night to come see me because they were physically ill. And there was so much integrity and so much hunger and such a deep desire for wholeness. They felt just fragmented, frankly. Mm -hmm. And one of you referred the other that referred the other that referred the other before you know it. I had almost a hundred people that came in to see me in less than nine months. Wow. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, God's trying to tell me something here. And it is the voice of a generation, but I love what you're saying and what you're talking about. And by the way, I deeply appreciate the podcast this young girl is doing because at least she's talking honestly about the bondage that she felt in the church Mm -hmm. and the freedom, even though I think her understanding of it's limited, but the freedom that she's promoting by embracing a lifestyle that you and I know is very destructive. Right. And I experienced that myself. That's why there's no judgment whatsoever. I relate a lot to probably what she had to say. And granted, I haven't listened to it fully, but even just the bullet points of what I read was like, wow, that's exactly why I never fully walked away from my faith, but definitely did my own thing based on what the world says is acceptable and and thought I felt really good about it. And, you know, I wanted to shed the shame and I wanted that if I made decisions otherwise to be true conviction versus just doing it out of guilt, which is kind of how not necessarily raised, but just the culture around me that a lot of people thought that way and very legalistic. And I wanted to shed the legalistic mindset before I made any other decisions. So coming to you, I was in a place where I started to feel the polarization of like how I was feeling and how I was living, but not understanding why they were at war with each other. Good. Flesh Great and spirit explanation. Being like at war with each other, it started to make sense when I heard your terminology and how you were kind of integrating all of constituents. I was like, whoa, this makes so much sense. And it helps me understand, even just understanding like why culturally people believe lies as a whole, but have no idea where it was founded or yeah. why people think that way. So simply put, what was mm-hmm. the most significant contribution that rest made? to you being able to step into this place of true freedom? Hmm. Oh, so many things. Honestly, it's hard to just like put it into one like statement, but I think just understanding what was actually happening in my body. And I think the term violation of conscience was so massive for me because then I understood that when you feel something physically to really listen to it instead of ignoring it. And so Just doing something over and over and over, obviously searing your conscience where you no longer feel any conflict or any guilt or any shame or anything. You feel nothing anymore. You feel numb. And that's why, you know, sex or any substance food felt so good to fill that void. But then once I started healing, I felt a lot more reaction to the things I was doing. And so understanding like violation of conscience, like 
this decision or even this person I'm dating, I feel like such a physical reaction to it, this person. Why? And so understanding the physical reaction you have to people or things or even words that come out of your mouth is so powerful. And just as simple as that leads to so much healing because now you have so much more power over like where you end up. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And while you were speaking, and we talk about this almost every day around here, but understanding that there's three constituents we're always negotiating, mm-hmm. and each has a healthy balance. The spirit, and if we look at the spirit like a rain that rains, right? Mm-hmm. There's this existential reality that we all must negotiate. We, we often talk about it in the form of energy, mm-hmm. but we also talk about it in the form that energy has a name. And we break all that down, but all of that is negotiated by the second sphere of influence, right? Constituent, which is the soul, mm-hmm. the mind, the heart, the will, the conscience, the feelings. And according to the counsel of the will of a person, that's why the will is so instrumental in healing. The will of this person that, you, that did the podcast, for example, was a lot of anger and frustration that caused her to break away. Yours was a lot of brokenness. And your will didn't want to break away. Your will was, what don't I understand here? And you sought understanding. Mm -hmm. And by the grace of God, you found us. And then as I helped you reason, Mm -hmm. it's the conversation between the will, the mind, the heart, the conscience, the feelings, right? Mm -hmm. That began to give you an understanding of the third part, Mm -hmm. the body, the consequence that that has on the body, right? So the will and the feelings, like for example, we always talk about feelings emote. They emote from the limbic system, but the Mm -hmm. feelings are a function of the soul. So being cognizant to how you feel, Virginia, I am deeply depressed. I am deeply anxious. I am deeply confused about what's happening to me. So as we began to peel back the layers of the governance of the spirit, the soul, and the body, and how that whole ecosystem works... All of a sudden, we begin to have easy conversations about philosophy, what's true and what's not, mm-hmm. theology, what's true and what's not about the existence of God, and he isn't, and how that works through the spirit, the soul, and the body. Mm-hmm. And so then we start taking this holistic approach and this holistic look at things, and all of a sudden, you realize, hey, wait, I intuitively knew all these things, I just didn't understand them. Exactly. And there were some things I understood that I didn't really know. But here's the thing. It was my conscience that bore witness of that dis-ease. And so when you talk about conscience being that property, I wanted people to understand what you meant by what you say. Yes. Well, I think the easiest way to break it down, too, is putting language to self-evident truth, which was huge for me because it's stuff that you understand and know deeply in your gut, but you don't, like there's just so much chaos and confusion in the world and even just with culturally what's normal and and appropriate and acceptable and like there's so many things and molds to fit into and beliefs that kind of shedding that and understanding what's what's the foundation of it, self-evident truth of understanding even just that basic value was so helpful. How did you navigate the darkness? Because it starts pretty dark, right? And it gets pretty scary. Yeah, but I think it was just trusting. And again, in my gut, even if I couldn't quite understand or articulate at the time, I sensed that this was truth. And that's exactly what I've been searching for is I don't have to quite understand it, but I, I can feel that it's truth. And I understand that. So just learning along the journey of like, unlearning what's not healthy for me, and then really leaning into the confusion and pain that kind of comes with 
healing, you know, and then now I just feel so much better and can reason. I have the capacity to reason again. And I think that's a huge crucial thing that most people lack, which we already know. But I feel so much freedom in that because there's a lot going on in the world right now. And instead of feeling inundated and frustrated, I can just kind of remove myself from all of it and reason like what's really going on. Where's the lie? How does this actually affect me? Things like that, that I just didn't have a concept to, to understand before. What was the cost Everything, anything that's of high nobility and high value Mm. costs us something significant. I think my will, honestly, my flesh, (laughs) which is like massive because for a long time, just holding on to, you know, there's convictions that started to come and, you know, you were so lovingly calling me out in them. And I felt free to just kind of be angry in that for a bit and be honest with you that I was like rejecting that. But then once I understood that those convictions coming up are actually in alignment with, for me, God's will and how we were created, like it actually, I felt freedom in that. And I was just keeping myself kind of a slave to all of the things that were keeping me sick. And so then once I understood that and put a name to that, I was like, it just felt freeing. I remember one day you got really mad at me. (laughs) You and Jane, I think, are the two. A lot of people probably have been really angry with me at times, which is okay. They get to figure out and weigh out the merit or the value of what I'm saying, and that's okay. That's part of it, right? But do you remember that day? Yeah, but it's helpful because I felt safe doing so, because otherwise I would have just been stirring and kind of confused. So if I'm able to express it, then I just already feel better, and it helps me understand more, especially with your reaction being so gentle. (laughs) Understanding. The gentle, truthful, piercing, yeah. What do, you, what do you guys call me? The velvet brick? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's very appropriate. Is it? <laughs> I think Would so. You? Oh my yeah, gosh, no, that's sad. No, it's not that. It's so it's so true. It's it's a skill that you definitely have when you're talking with people. Is like you can tell them the hard matter of fact truth, but the way that you deliver it is with so much love and so that's much it. kindness and gentleness that we actually can receive it and process it like yeah, like you get kind of defensive and angry about it at first, but you do eventually, you know, like yeah. accept it. I think were it not for the grace of God, I know there go I, right? And I never lose sight of that, that today it's you, tomorrow it could be me, could mm-hmm. be anybody. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what gives us the capacity to love. But I thought about this. I think the other reason I just love you so much and everybody else I work with and everybody else that I hope comes through our door listens to our podcast and goes through our classes is because perfect love casts out fear. Mm-hmm. And I've seen so much suffering and I have a long story of my own and one day we'll do a podcast on that as well. But I think when you love well, that means you see the value in what's sacred in another person. Mm-hmm. With reckless abandon, you can speak truth in love and yeah. you can be patient with the process. Yeah, I think, you know, another helpful tool that I learned from you, and this is part of the ability to reason and putting language to all the things that I know, but just couldn't speak or articulate was the difference between secular and sacred and really Mm -hmm. valuing that. Even just having a visual list and going back to that regularly is really helpful to help distinguish all of the confusing narratives that are in the world right now. And even within my own head, as I'm still fighting, you know, to maintain growth and not revert back to old ways of thinking. And even still, I'm finding things that I'm like, oh, that's actually not healthy. That doesn't serve me. And I didn't even realize that's not helpful. So to have that constant list of comparison of what is actual truth and and sacred is so helpful. Yeah, and the reason that's important is because thoughts have power, words have authority. Mm -hmm. So when we speak words, we need to be careful to identify what we're saying. 
And I can't believe you just brought that up because I just compiled a significant list. And that's the number one thing we are asked for, by the way, in our 40 days of rest in our our curriculums. Can we have a list of this vocabulary? Because it takes people a little bit of time to digest and process what we're saying. So I was going to talk to Natalie about this, but I want to do a whole podcast on language. That was really helpful for me. Was it? Yeah. Well, I mean, just even the basic knowledge of like words bringing life or death. And then when you can kind of differentiate between like what you're speaking and and you don't really feel like it's resonating, it doesn't feel quite right. Mm -hmm. It's quite possible that what you're speaking is still the language of what like the world says. And it's not quite articulating exactly truth or what you're feeling. And so Mm -hmm. there's a huge difference in understanding that. And I think for me too, like I, I always loved poetry. I always loved literature. And so being able to understand the world through a more simplified version was just really helpful. It like helped cut through the chaos that we're just faced with every day. Going back to the podcast you mentioned and the state you were in when you came in and this very topic you brought up, it caused me to reflect on two of my favorite words, bondage and enslavement. It just made me think of how quickly we're enslaved by external things. If we don't understand the internal function of bondage, right, Mm -hmm. we'll never understand the things that enslave us. Yet, we use bondage and enslavement as if they're synonyms. They are not. One is the internal cause and the other is the consequence. Mm. Liberty is an internal function of the soul. Mm -hmm. According to how we negotiate our liberty, that determines the measure of external freedom we live with. Yeah. Internal, external, right? Body, soul. One perishes. Right? I live in a world where I see a lot of that. One perishes and deteriorates, mm-hmm. but the other is eternal. Exactly. And so we need to understand this language and these words and how they're negotiated impacts the quality of our life. So we're going to do a whole thing on language. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think even just, it sounds so silly, but understanding this and then just going into the dating world being on dating apps like it's so daunting but i remember you called me after a lot of those and so for years by the way almost two years and you realized there wasn't a point of contact Mm -hmm. because we were speaking two different language like you were living in an altered universe yeah well it again it just helped me save a lot of my time being respectful of course like not you know putting anyone down or mocking or anything but just being like on totally different pages we're speaking different languages and so i can't even be upset that we don't even agree or we're not even yeah it just helped me cut out so much time i I wasn't investing my heart in places that didn't need to and i could be respectful of someone else's time and just walk away because now i understood my own value and maybe they didn't and i could just be way more upfront about my standards and my values because now i understood my worth and what i wanted and what i held out for and you know even just with some of my family members being concerned that i'd be single forever because of my standards and i'm like no it's not unrealistic it's just I am so much healthier now and I want you, better you for knew, myself. Yeah, you know your value now. Yes. And I think that's the goal of rest mm-hmm. is to help people understand how sacred a human being is and respecting yeah. the dignity of all of the parts, the spirit, the soul, the body of another human being. It's not something to be desecrated. But the fruit of your sacrifice was long and great, but we have Mr. Benjamin here, yes. Prince Charming. <laughs> He's better than Prince Charming, but Kim comes into your life and tell us what it took to wait and hold out and how difficult that was, but how great the reward. 
Yeah. I mean, we both talk about it a lot. It was really painful and really lonely. And I think during that journey, a lot of people want, like, it's uncomfortable for people to watch you go through that journey. And so more than anything, they want to see you happy and they don't like seeing you struggle. And so that um, journey of like, first of all, healing so that you can be healthy for someone else is uncomfortable and it's ugly. And it's like, just, it's so uncomfortable. I keep saying that, but like, it's uncomfortable. It's, it's really gross. <laughs> it but <is>. like, <laughs> but I know that the friends and like you who know me so well, I, I just feel so confident, even though things are fast with he and I, like, you know, that I, you know, to trust my gut. That's and right. I finally have learned to really relearn to trust my gut again after that journey, just easier. I'd sit down with someone on a date in five minutes, like, nope, it's, this is not it. And I wouldn't just get up and walk away immediately, but just really understanding and feeling even within my spirit, like when something is right and learning to trust that again was like so healing. And then meeting him, like our values were so in alignment and I was so clear about what I wanted and just realizing like being very intentional about growing myself to be worthy of someone like as high caliber as he is. But yeah, constantly growing and not just being arrogant that I deserve this, but yeah, holding out for it was so worth it, but painful. So like, be ready for that. <laughs> yeah, the deserving doesn't diminish the value of all the other people you met before. Oh, for sure. You just saw the world through a different value system. Yeah, well, and for me personally, and this isn't everyone's story, but I want really big things. And just seeing a lot of chaos and confusion and generational things that I wanted to break off and some people didn't understand that. I knew I needed someone who could help me fight in that realm and who was like, could meet me there and wasn't afraid of that. Mm and could also speak my language without making me feel stupid, that these are things that I hunger for. And like, even if coming from a different background that could still meet me there and like hunger for those same things on like a much bigger playing field. And that's so exciting. Wow. Okay. So Benjamin, will it be okay if we hear a little bit from him? Yeah, today? of course. Benjamin, I'm so happy to have you here, Mr. Wonderful. We've been praying for you and waiting for you for years. <laughs> and Jordan put a lot of thought and prayer and patience and she did a lot of a lot of work has gone into this woman that you see. And I know you know that, but I do. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, it's been awesome to get caught up in the short amount of time of really the impact that Jordan's had through what you're doing here. And I think a big thing that I was looking for in a woman was that both of us were doing our own work in our own narrative in separate lives before meeting each other instead of, you know, letting time go by, sitting on the couch, just doing the things to get through or cope, you know, through the things that were hard and are real. And so it's not easy, but to know that my own task and my own journey was being the narrative I was setting myself on. Mm -hmm. And likewise, simultaneously, she was doing that too. It was very relieving to basically speak the same language and the same level of maturity that mm -hmm. we were handling it in our own way. Well, I can't tell you, I, when I began this podcast, I talked about the voice of a generation. The Jordan was the voice of a generation and she's an ambassador of rest because she's a product of rest and she put in all the hard work and not just herself, <clears throat> but she invited others into this pilgrimage and it's been amazing and transformational. But let me ask you, first of all, how old are you? I'm 30. 30? And Jordan, you? 30. 30. Okay, so you're both 30. Mm -hmm. And when I talk about the voice of a generation, there are many complexities that you've inherited from our generation, and we inherited from previous generations, and so on, and so on, and so on. Tell me a little bit about your story. 
Yeah, definitely. Raised in a very picturesque family environment, which Jordan had in some regards as well. Never got in fights with my brothers, didn't have sisters, and was the middle child, straight-A student, parents still together, kind of like your, you know, picturesque type of example. And yet, in kind of the limelight of a lot of fame, if you will, in some regards of people looking to us, people, family members, friends, neighbors, I didn't really do anything wrong. And yet, kind of in the background, I created my own hiding space of my own rebel, my own story of like, let me just kind of be in hiding, yet on the outside, keep the reputation. And, you know, to say it in short, a lot of it was just a growing porn addiction. But other parts was searching for masculinity, satisfaction, renewal in places where I felt depleted, ownership of something I can control that in my own reality didn't exist. So it was more than just the visual constraints or version of what I chose, which I'm not proud of, but have gone through a recovery to get out of a space to realize it was more of a head and heart reasoning. That's right. Specifically trying to find a solution Mm -hmm. for all. What was the product of it? Where did that leave you? Thank you, by the way, for your honesty. I didn't know this part of the story, but Mm -hmm. I find it compelling and honest. And I think it's very common. So I appreciate your honesty. In the last segment, like Natalie mentioned, we talked about the consequence of really porn addiction and deviant sexual behavior and whatnot outside of the bounds of marriage, right? Fires are okay, but fireplaces are made to contain fires. And I can't start a fire in the middle of the house. It'll burn the whole house down. Right. So there's space for that kind of thing. So it's not bashing sex. Sex is a wonderful thing. But when it's outside, as you well know, of this intimate value relationship, it can be very destructive. Marriage is God's container. That's right. It is. Oh, that's a good one, Natalie. Marriage is God's container. There you have it. But when you see an expression of sexuality in that kind of format, it can really mess with your head. There's a show now, Hooked on Porn, I think, how seven and eight and nine-year-olds are addicted to pornography. And we're going to do a whole segment on that. And we'll have a conversation, you and I, Natalie, about that. Yeah. Because it's something near and dear to her, Natalie's heart, too. And it's, it's a cancer. So I'd like you to speak to how that impacted you. Again, it was more of a searching of my own heart, right? It's the idea of like, Mm -hmm. if you're searching for something, most likely it's searching for a higher power in the midst of it. Mm -hmm. But in your day to day, it's just, I'm just pushing something down or fighting the fact that things aren't agreeable to the way that I I want it in my own desire level. But really it was a way to feel fulfillment in a very instantaneous culture mixed with never finding it, right? It's really in a sense, arguably the worst drug because you don't have to go and find it. You don't have to mm. trans, you know, transactions with the source to find that. It's in your very head and it's s- still there until you really work to unpack those kind of things. And uh, looking at my story now, which was a decade and a half worth of time really being in the thick of it, was realizing how much I s- was stuck in mat- immaturity, actually, during that whole length. Emotional immaturity. Emotionally, yeah. a lot of it, yes. Yeah. So maybe responsibly and, you know, working a job, these other things that maybe culturally look like growing up and getting your act together. There was stuff stuck and paused from when I started that addictive behavior that put me in this road of actually my hiding becoming what was out and in the world and how I showed up, how I interacted with mm-hmm. anyone. 
that really was a lingering effect of the privacy space. And so, yeah, looking at it now, you know, we are human and I myself included, but seeing how now breaking through more and improving and maturing has helped that unpaused action move towards um, actual renewal. It's what I was saying. You dealt with the things that enslaved you. Yeah. Right. You know, the things that enslaved you were clear, but you began to deal with the things that kept you in bondage. Right. And then the things that enslaved you began to slowly lose their power over you. Yes. Yeah. And it's that idea that you can never be fulfilled like you were when you were first drawn in. That's right. How it works. I love what you said. It is more dangerous, more toxic. And I think its implications are far more damaging than any drug addiction. A hundred percent. Yeah. And you can tap into it anytime, which is dangerous in itself. Okay. So how did, what captivated you about this sweet girl, <laughs> about our sweet Jordan? Yeah. How did you meet? <laughs> yeah. Um, so Indirectly, it was through Instagram and was something that uh, we were just talking about this, uh, how for a while I wanted to be of impact through my words, my captions, my photos. I'm a photographer and have loved writing, integrating kind of a mixture of mediums into one space. And from a distance, somehow, Jordan started following me and we just had kind of this mutual respect for each other and our artistry, who we were from a distance. So not really having in-person context or anything of like, do I actually like this person in real life? But at least in that platform, it felt, you know, like another peer, someone I can admire and, and enjoy what they were posting through the years. And then time had passed didn't interact in that space after let me mention that she did dm me and there was a time that i just didn't know there was uh any interest or liking from her part so she had already had interest and i didn't pick up on those details but as time had passed it actually resurfaced through a dating app and was very interesting thing for my own journey as i can speak out of that that i was very turned off by that space Again, how I was mentioning when I was a kid, our family was more popular. So my sphere of influence and circles was very wide. I had, I was kind of more of a matchmaker for friends. So I was one who always had people across, you know, different spheres and I was connecting them. And fast forward, you know, uh, in the last few years, I've kind of shrunk my friend group in a sense of just situationally and things over the years where as you get older, you just don't keep up with everyone. And a mix of conversations with different friends are like, hey, maybe it's time to try a dating app. And it was very humbling because, again, I was that one who always knew someone, always had an interest, someone I had a crush on. And at this point, I'm like, honestly, the pool's gotten very small. I don't really know who to ask or, you know, uh, look around. And had actually, in a way, a little bit of desperation, had texted some close friends like, anyone you know, right? Anyone, like (laughs) third, fourth, fifth, eighth degree over, help me out, help a brother out. So it was a little bit of that sentiment going into the dating app and then had been on there for three, four months before Jordan had messaged me. And how was the porn addiction during all this time? Porn addiction was gone, but the headspace of like filtering and looking through women and, you know, different levels of traction was still something that was in my head. Right now, granted, very different being that there's a list of values, a list of things that are more conversation starters. Porn doesn't mm-hmm. do that, obviously. It's straight to the visual, straight to the experience, straight to existential imaging of things that aren't really real life. But the dating app still, unfortunately, is still very 
physically appealing, mm-hmm. right, of how people present themselves. Right. Let me ask you a question before we get into another little segment here. And we don't have to go deep into this sure. because we don't have time. And it's too big and delicate of a subject. But did you find that there were spiritual consequences to the porn addiction? And if so, what were they? Yeah, definitely. I think my head goes straight back to the immaturity aspects of stepping into greater calling of how God's utilized me, just being more empathetic of a type of person and aware. But yet that aspect of the porn addiction definitely was a conflict of spirit of what am I hearing? Is it my own thoughts? Having a very What are my thoughts and what are intrusive thoughts? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, is this helpful for an individual? Okay, let me try speaking it. And while I'm speaking it, my head's going to other things that I saw earlier that day or things in my head. And is the concept of dark, spiritual, incubus, succubus spirits, for example, were those real tangible things that you had encountered the consequence of them in your sleep, in your wake state, in dating relationships, or no? Did that come after the fact? I think it was always in the midst of it. I think when the denial was very heavy of like, I'm not really an addict, I'm not really in the thick, it wasn't as pronounced of like, okay, this is darkness, but it was still in the back of my mind that I wasn't all great and I wasn't all put together. But the more growth I did, the more recovery, which I I did an actual year intensive to get out of my addiction. And so that was a very helpful thing in a a small group of of men. As those growing points started to happen and I was pulled out of denial, I was starting to sense more resistance, right? More pushback, more things that felt very much spiritual attack, being that I was breaking through stuff that had a hold on me for so long. Yeah. And before you were able to engage in true intimacy with another woman, in this case with Jordan. What was that like to encounter that? I I can hear the sacrifices that you made and the discipline that you acquired and the accountability that you established and all those things. But what was it about her and about meeting her that immediately caused you to think something's different here when you first met? Yeah, I can tell she actually lived it out and did work mm-hmm. then just talked it and that's what i was i just want to say that's what i was looking for cuz these are two people that did a lot of hard work mm-hmm. and came together and recognized the fruit of that work yeah and i think we've talked about it how even in the dating app space but even just in general there was a lot of women I would come across and they're like, I don't know what I want, or I'm not really sure about myself, or I'm still figuring things out. And it was a lot of the same narrative, which is fine. Granted, we're all in different parts of our journey, but there wasn't really anyone with poise and with a voice and with strength to saying, hey, I applied my work. I'm still figuring myself out, but I have more of a of an overall reason to why I'm doing the things I'm doing, mm-hmm. why I'm you know saying certain things, why it's backed with actual action than just... This is just what I know, or this is what sounds profound. The things Jordan reconciled are the things that you found appealing. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's the bottom line. And I love how you're just honest. No, while I was in this, and I knew I was being duplicitous, I was conflicted. I had two lives. I had my outer life and my inner life, and those two didn't merge. But it caused you great disease. So tell me what you love most about Jordan. And what was most captivating? How much time do we have? (laughs) A man needs a woman and a woman needs a man for different reasons and in different ways. So I wanted you to speak to that for a minute. Absolutely. I think looking at my story, there's been a lot of loss 
looking at Jordan's story, there's been a lot of loss and not just emotion, you know, turmoil, but actual people loss. And when we first met, I shared about the loss of my older brother, which we're going on almost 10 years in April, a few years before she lost her mom. And there was instant chemistry in a subject we felt very embarrassed because we felt like it was irrelevant or people didn't know how to meet us on that level. And so immediately it, it leveled the playing field of, oh, okay, we're not just deep talkers. Again, we're back by action. We've done work because we've lost. So when you lost, you have to supply things. You have to bring stuff back in so we're more human than what we were left with a huge void missing. And so what I found in Jordan was really not just the work that she's made to recover, but that she's actively realizing, talk about my mom, okay? Ben, talk about your brother. Okay, work through stuff that's active now instead of that was me back then. Let's not unpack it. And realizing that also involves a romantic life. It also involves falling in love, building trust, creating safe space. It's all a part of it, not just subject-wise, but the ability to access each other's heart while still guarding your own and while still being able to realize, like, wow, we got to protect what we're creating here because we're becoming a dangerous couple in a good way, right, to, to be a voice and a reason and also to know we have emotions. We're not just here's a bunch of fact and just talk it as is. It's realizing we've also been shooken up ourselves and yet we can find each other is, uh, as partners, as friends, as admirers of each other's progress. That's not competitive. It's not a scoreboard based. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, okay, you've lost more. I need to make up for that. It's here's where we're at in our own context. It's looked hard and let's continue having you know, good tears and good times to like mourn and grieve and shave another layer. But let's actually be side by side in that. And that was a huge appeal, being that, again, I'd be with others who lacked that substance and felt like I was like empty-handed and not giving enough or gave too much, mm-hmm. right? I would have kind of a reputation, even one of my mentors mentioned, like, Ben, do you think you're actually a little intimidating? I'm like, oh, I didn't think I was giving that off, but maybe I am coming on too strong sometimes because there's that deeper heaviness of my story. So again, Mm -hmm. meeting Jordan and we're like, oh, we're already there. We don't have to do additional work to intro into that space. There was more promise to it. Well, and therein lies the anatomy of intimacy. Everything you described is the foundations of intimacy and it's coming in alignment with our own constituents and the the whole, the broken, the good, the bad, the ugly parts of ourselves before we can begin to fully make judgments about all these things outside of ourselves. So you've both done that so beautifully. And thank you for speaking about things that are not easy. They're not easy things to articulate, but I think you're the voice of a generation and I think there is an uprising And I think there's an incredible healing taking place in your generation. And it's, yeah, I've seen, I've done, I've experienced, I'm broken. You know, I've been duplicitous. I've done every stupid, dumbass thing you can imagine. But you're willing to come to the table and talk about it and say, this is not acceptable. This is not enough. So when you listen to a podcast, Jordan, like you mentioned, you have the tools to reason without condemnation. Actually, you can reason with a lot of grace, but saying, "Uh, I don't think so. That's not freedom. That's actually enslavement. And we know it's enslavement because these things that you're discussing in the name of freedom are really the fruit of your bondage. 
unreconciled things because you've been there, you've lived them. So there's this beautiful narrative, I think, emerging of your generation. And it's a conversation that your generation will have with itself. And it's such a joy and a privilege to be a facilitator in it. So thank you both for being here. Jordan, thank you so much for being here. Do you have any closing thoughts? Well, I'm just honored to be here. So thank you again for having me. And there's so much more, obviously, that we can share. But I think it's just so valuable to be constantly having these conversations because it really impacted my journey and who I ended up with and just how I live my life. So thank you so much for investing in what you do because it's really, really impacted me. And now Benjamin. Rest will heal the hemorrhaging soul of our nation, 100%. And you guys are the most I think you're so relevant. So thank you so much. Benjamin, any closing thoughts? And we'll let you close for us. Definitely. I think it's important to show up each day and be present with what it is in each person's life. And for me, knowing my own context, it's helpful to not then be passive and just get through the next day. I think it takes work, but it's that idea that a discipline becomes a delight. So over time, it becomes something you grow in hunger and an appetite for. And I think that's kind of the heart of what I want to contribute here, being that I'm still healing mixed with I have so much to give, right? So instead of a deficit poverty mindset, it's, wow, there's so much unexpected and unknown in terms of how I can show up into that and, and give and offer and contribute. And I think a lot of people just think it's kindness, but a lot of it's just telling your own story. It is. It's a beauty in the ashes. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. What a delight. And we'll have other conversations with you too. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Our Newport Day of Rest on February 26th was absolutely amazing. Incredible. <laughs> I know. It was so good. So thank you to all who attended and also for allowing us to record that entire day you know for future distribution and and that was all done for those who are actually unable to attend locally so keep an eye out on the website for that to show up because you will be able to purchase that recording we're so excited about it to give that to you all and then also for those who actually missed the event virginia decided to host another local event but this time at the villa the birthplace of rest in silverado canyon on april 2nd so put that on your calendars if you'd like to register all All of the information is on the website. For updates about rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram or Facebook, The Place of Rest. If you'd like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate. Thank you for listening to Rest with Virginia Dixon. We'll see you next week. (laughs) 